Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special Christmas message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. This is not just any baby. Are y'all getting that? This baby is absolute righteousness. This baby doesn't need to be taught truth. This baby is truth personified. This is more than a baby in a manger. This is God. Point number two, not only his person, but also his preeminence. Uh, Go with me to Revelation chapter 5 and verse 5. Look at verse 5. Revelation 5, verse 5. But one of the elders said to me in verse 5, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Okay, so let's get the scene here. Look at me, please. The church, prior chapter 5. The church has been raptured and we are in heaven with God. God is on the throne. The tribulation is going to begin in the very next chapter, in chapter 6. Right now, here in chapter 5, God is holding in his hand the title deed to the earth, a scroll. God the Father is waiting for the rightful heir, God the Son, to take the scroll and break the seal. Look at chapter 5, verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Look at verse 2. And the angel said, who is worthy to open up the scroll? Verse 4, John wept because no one was worthy. Then one of the elders said, don't weep. The line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed and is worthy to open the scroll. In other words, there is one, a preeminent one, a one above all others, one who can take back the earth, one who has the power to do it, Jesus Christ. And notice John gives three unique titles to the preeminent one. Notice the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, and the lamb in verse 6. The lion of the tribe of Judah is a messianic title from Genesis chapter 49. The root of David comes from Isaiah chapter 11 verse 10 and is repeated in Revelation 22 verse 16. The root of David means he not only comes from David, but he is the root for David. That means that David actually comes from him. Did you get that? Did you get it? He's not only coming from David, but he is a root for David. And that means that David actually comes from him. Now, in the Christmas scene, we see baby Jesus with gentle animals around. Well, here in Revelation... It looks more like lions and some men around. Here in Revelation, we see an apocalyptic Christ. Verse 6, among the elders was a lamb. It wasn't a lion, but a lamb. The lamb stood as though it had been slain. 
The word slain, write it down. And the Greek means violently slain and bleeding. He was a lamb, but he also has the power because he is a lion. His person, number one. His preeminence, number two. And number three, his praise. Look at verse eight. Look at verse eight. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. When Jesus steps forward and takes the scroll, notice the response is immediate. What's the response? The elders fall down and worship and sing a song of redemption. John sees elders falling down before the lamb and everybody has a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which represents the prayers of the saints. And in verse nine, look at it. They sang a new song. They worship the lamb. Now question, look at me, give me your attention. Question, how important is worship to you? How important is worship to you? I mean, really ask yourself that. How important is it to you? I mean, some people view worship like this is important at all. And some view worship like Christian warm-up before the sermon. Like when you work out, you warm up in calisthenics, and then you work out. Well, some people view worship the same way. It's like warm-up before the sermon. And some people view worship like preparatory before the sermon. And I agree, it is preparatory, but not just preparatory. And some view worship as time filler. Enough time to park the car, get some water, go to the bathroom, eat some gum, talk to some people, do some stuff. You know, just time filler. And some people view worship as a ritual. It's just what we do in church. It's in the Before Church Starts manual. We're supposed to sing some songs. It's supposed to be that way. Some people view worship that way, and some view worship as a waste of time, and they just don't get it. I read this story about this woman who was in church, and she's standing with her eyes closed and her hands are lifted in prayer and praise and worshiping the Lord. And in the seat in front of her was this three-year-old boy who looked at her with her hands lifted up high in the air, and he gave her a high five. He didn't get it. And some people, they just don't get it. Listen, worship is important. More than two people need to say amen there. Worship is important. And the reason worship is important because, and that's why I always encourage you guys, you know I do, to get you here on time. And some people, I'm not going to ask you to stand up, but you get here just before I preach because you want to skip the worship. Now, I ain't going to ask you to stand up. But you know, I'm going to skip the worship, but I got time. I got an extra 30 minutes before Pastor Roddy start preaching. Worship is important because worship is a hammer to the heart. Worship breaks up that hard heart. See, everybody has a hard heart. I mean, you come to church, and I don't mean hard like and hard toward the Lord, but, you know, you've been in, in the world, and you've been working, and you're trying to get to church, and the kids were acting crazy before you got here, and, you know, you were uh, slapping them in the back seat. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, you know what I mean? You're driving. You, know, you, you better shut up. You better sh- shut your mouth. We're going to church. I said, shut up. When you get out of this car, you better say praise the Lord. 
And you just got all this stuff in your head and you're working and your heart is like, ah, and you get to church and you, you know, it's like, ah. And worship causes all that to come down. And you start hearing songs, you are stronger, you are strong. I'm waiting for somebody to clap their hands and say amen. You are stronger, you are stronger, sin is broken, you have saved me, it's written, Christ is risen. Jesus, you are Lord of all. When you start singing that, and those words start sinking into your heart, into your spirit, your heart starts to break and, and starts to get soft. So then when, when, when the teaching of the word of God, the seed of the word is thrown, the Holy Spirit takes the seed and deposits it in your heart, and it finds its way into good ground. And then the it's water. I'm waiting. And then it's watered by the Holy Spirit to bring forth fruit. I can tell. That's why worship here at Calvary Chapel, if you're new here, listen up. Worship is important to this church because I can tell when I get to this pulpit, I can tell. I can, it's a spiritual palpating pulse. I'm working here. <laughs> I can feel it whether people have been worshiping or not. I can feel it. Or sometimes when a song is being played, and Pastor Matt, you know what I'm talking about. You can feel it. Are people just singing the songs? Or are they really connected and worshiping and allowing those words to really touch their heart and break up the heart, the fallow ground of the heart so that the seed of the word of God can be planted? And if that's not happening, something needs to change. Either we stop, we don't, we stop that song, let's go on to the next one, or y'all need to stand up because y'all got too much trip the fan in your stomach, or something is wrong. But we need to fix it. Because we've come here to worship the Lord. We didn't come here to look at the words and just mumble the words. That does not please God. That does not please the Lord. Listen to me. God is not blessed because you showed up and mumble the words and and God goes, oh, yes, that's great. You're disconnected, but at least you're here mumbling the words. And by golly, you really bless God. You think? I don't. I know it doesn't bless God for you to just mumble the words. He wants your heart to be connected. He wants you to worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what he's looking for. People who are willing to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Notice in the Bible, when the elders saw the lamb, they broke out in worship. When you see Jesus and you really do see Jesus, you will worship. You really will worship. And nobody will have to tell you, come on, saints, clap your hands. Come on, saints, lift up your hands to the Lord. Come on and sing out, guys. <laughs> nobody will have to do that because you see Jesus. And when you see Jesus and you start counting your blessings and naming them one by one, and you start looking at what the Lord has done and how God has blessed you to, through 2013 and taken care of you and provided for you and helped you in your business and helped you in your circumstance. You can't help but worship the Lord. And it's a sad thing for me to see as Pastor Matt's leading worship and I come up and I see people standing there, they're just like, looking like a deer caught in the headlights. 
I'm like, what in the world? What, what, what's wrong? Well, I'm just not like that. I'm just not like that. You know, listen, I, people worship differently. I am not talking about you have to be, you know, lifting up your hands and swaying back and forth and levitating and all of that. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that. You know, somebody's like, oh, yes. I'm not saying that. Everybody's different. I got that. Everybody's different in how they worship. But my thing is that you do worship. However it is you do worship, that you do worship. Not stand there and, and just mumble the words, but really worship the Lord. And I've had people tell me, well, I'm just not like that. I'm just, you know, when I worship, I'm just not like that. And I'm like, you know what? Then you need to get like that. And I don't know what like that it is, but whatever like that is, that's what you need to get like. Pray for me. You need to get like that. Because when you get to heaven, that's what you're going to be like. There ain't no way in the world. And I'm going to move on. There ain't no way in the world. You're going to be in heaven. Lights, the throne of God. Jesus is there. There's lights and jasper and the streets of gold and the uh, gates of pearly and Peter is there of course in every story Peter is at the pearly gates and you just standing there going That's not going to happen. I'm just, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. That's not going to happen. You're going to be like, whoa. Wow. Look at that. And you're going to fall down and start singing the new song. And notice it says it's the song. It's not many. It's no top ten in heaven. It's just, just one song. If y'all get bored, y'all, we got five here. And y'all be like, oh, man. Well, listen, in heaven is just one, so get used to it. Enjoy the five. And they're singing in our text. They're singing because when Jesus comes and he takes back the earth and removes the curse and conquers sin, they're praising him because he conquered sin as a lamb and he conquered Satan as a lion. And Jesus Christ is no helpless baby. He's a lion and a lamb who was slain for us and all of heaven sang. Number four, the promise. Look at, go to chapter 22 and we're almost done. Chapter 22. Look at chapter 22 and verse 7. And look at verse 7. And, and, and John says here, or Jesus says in verse 7, Behold, I am coming when, saints? Quickly. And look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. And behold, I am coming when, saints? Quickly. And look at verse 20, if you will. In verse 20. And he who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming when, saints? Quickly listen, the promise number four of the Bible is that Jesus is coming back someday and he's coming quickly. Now understand quickly because we think and people have said, well, you know, people have been talking about Jesus coming back for 2,000 years and he hasn't come back yet. How quick is that? Um, You have to understand that the Bible says that one day is equal to a thousand years to the Lord. So now Jesus has been gone, ascending into heaven for 2,000 years. 
So actually, he's only been gone two days. I'm just doing the math. Do the math. He's only been gone for two days. So quickly, in God's economy, if he comes tomorrow, that'd be another thousand years. Or he could come tomorrow, 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 in our tomorrow. We don't know. But the Bible says the promise is he is coming quickly. And when he comes, he's coming with a reward to reward every man. Number five, finally, his plea. Look at verse 17. In chapter 22, in verse 17, the plea. Not only his person, his preeminence, his praise, his promise, but lastly, his plea. Verse 17 says, and the spirit and the bride say, what saints? Come and let him. Are y'all reading the same Bible I'm reading? Then come on. And the spirit and the bride say, what? Come and let him who hears say, what? Come and let him who thirsts do what? Come, whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. Verse 7 says, the spirit and the bride say, come. They don't say, keep the Ten Commandments. They don't say, do your best. The spirit and the bride doesn't say, be religious. The spirit and the bride say, what saints? Come. And let him who has an ear, who hears, come. And let him who thirsts, come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. Listen, this is the greatest. If you're taking notes, write it down. This is the greatest final invitation of the Bible. God is saying, come to heaven. The spirit is saying, come to heaven. And the bride is saying, come to heaven. Ephesians chapter five, verse 25 tells us the bride is the church. And so the God, the spirit and the church all are saying, come to heaven. Listen to me. I'm coming in for a landing right here. Christianity is the only religion in the world that says, come. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Christianity is the only religion I challenge you to go search all the religions of the world and see if you find the word come in their doctrine. See if you find the word come in their dogma. You won't. You can't because Christianity is the only religion in the world that says, come, whosoever, that includes everybody. That's a big little word, isn't it? Whosoever, no matter how big a sinner, little a sinner, how black a sinner, white a sinner, skinny a sinner, not so skinny a sinner, blue collar sinner, white collar sinner, in prison sinners, free from prison sinners, one step sinners, 12 step sinners. All sinners, whosoever, come. The only thing that keeps you from coming is you and your pride. God, the Spirit, and the church all say, come to Jesus. Can I encourage you? Don't let Santa Claus, shopping, Christmas cards, the date, the name, or anything else hinder you from understanding what Christmas really is about. Again, for the Christmas, I'm waiting while you clap your hands. Don't let the world, you know, I think of Romans, and I'm going to let y'all get out of here. The, uh, Romans tells, uh, Romans 
chapter 12 tells us to be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and perfect, verse 3, that you might prove that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Christmas is not about the gifts that you give. Christmas is about the gift that was given, and that's Jesus Christ. And Paul the Apostle said... And Paul the Apostle said, thanks be unto God for his indescribable gift, Jesus. Don't let the world do squeeze you into buying because it's getting weird. Am I right about it? And it seemed the older I get, the, the earlier Christmas comes. They start Christmas now in July. I'm not kidding you. It's like as soon as the 4th of July is over, all of a sudden you start seeing Christmas stuff. I saw an ad on TV. They were trying to market antibacterial sanitizer stuff in a Christmas package. I'm like, that's too far. Come on. Merchandising and marketing, and you got to buy this and buy that and buy and get involved in this and get in. That's the world trying to squeeze you into its mold. Christmas is about Christ, and we celebrate Christ. Christians celebrate Christ every single day. Don't let the world pressure you into going out buying stuff you can't afford. Uh huh. Amen. Thank you, brother. Amen. We'll chat after church. That's right. Don't let the world, but no, 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 no. If you got to put it on a credit card. Now I get it. Some people put stuff on a credit card and then at the end of the month, you know, they, they, they pay it all off and they buy this, buy that, and they get the points and the air miles and all the other kind of stuff. And then they pay it off. And that's a very small fraction of people who actually do that. But you got to put it on a credit card and pay for it for the next 35 years. You don't need it. You don't need it. It's a sweater. It's a sweater. You get a sweater for $89 that you got to pay $4,020 for by the time you finish with the taxes and the interest on the credit card. Don't let the world do that to you. And no wonder you don't have any money for the kingdom. No wonder you can't help further the kingdom. No wonder you can't help with the Nehemiah project. You don't have it. Because you're giving it to Capital One. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm preaching right now. Y'all know it. You're giving it to Capital One. Don't do that. Because it's not about that. And December 25th will come, and the 26th on the calendar is the next day. It's just a date. Calm down. <laughs> New people, I'm usually, I'm a little more tame than this generally. So just, no, I'm not actually. <laughs> not really, but. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. Just don't buy in all that, you know. No pun intended. <laughs> don't, 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 don't do that. Keep Christ in Christmas. Use it as an example. 
don't get me wrong. We're going to celebrate Christmas. We're going to have a nice Christmas service, and I, I'm all for that and everything, but I am not for all of this commercializing and marketing and merchandising at the expense of my Lord. Don't do it, all right? Don't do it. Have a nice Christmas. When you're going to travel, have a nice travel. Happy journey. Be safe. Come back. Be blessed. Don't be so earthly-minded that you're no heavenly good. Keep your mind and your focus on where it needs to be, on the things of the kingdom. It's not about the stuff. Stuff gets old. God's word endures forever. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.